On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap the NC State game. Kansas taking down the Wolfpack 80-74. to We also preview the Kansas-Kansas State football game ahead of Saturday's action. This will be our final show of the week with Thanksgiving here with Locked on Jayhawks. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chuck Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on today's edition of Locked On Jayhawks, we're going to be recapping the Kansas NC State game, 80 to 74 win for KU in their first round victory over uh, the in the Battle for Atlantis tournament in the Bahamas. We're also going to be previewing the Kansas-Kansas State football game occurring on Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll have our Bet Online segment coming at the end of the show here as well. And uh, certainly that game finished with an interesting moment for Bet Online. We'll get to that coming up later. Here, but out on top 80 to 74. They're up 39 31 at the halftime break, a game that was close. They went on a little 6 0 spurt at the end of the half to go from 33 31 to 39 31, kind of keyed by Dewan Harris defense. And Grady Dick just made everything in the first half. He went six of nine uh, from the field in the first half, hit six threes in the, the first half of play for 18 points, slowed down a bit in the second half. He went just, I believe, one of eight shooting in the second half. He did make five free throws, though, which were big and ended up with 25 points in a successful game. Jalen Wilson continued to, you know, uh, really grind away at, at points and rebounds and, and doing things for Kansas when they kind of get stuck in the mud. He had 19 points, 11 rebounds, and, and really kind of forcing the issue for Kansas because they really needed that in this game. Uh, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, because you can either find us anywhere you get your podcast or on YouTube, we've got our ticker down low with, with some of the, the key numbers from that game. Uh, certainly what was interesting for Kansas in this one with NC State, it is a very high-paced team, team that plays three little guards, and we saw a lot of Kansas countering with two-guard lineups with Bobby Pettiford and Dewan Harris as the two guards. And if you want to know where Bill Self's trust level is at for the, the center position, look no further than how they finished the game. K.J. Adams fouls out, and for the final couple minutes of the game, instead of playing Ernest Uday or Zuby Edifer, they play Jalen Wilson at the five, and basically it's an all-wing lineup with Dewan Harris next to Bobby Pettiford. He trusts those guys a lot more than he does the centers. Now, also, it was impactful for that matchup, specifically with NC State, because they do have those kind of three smaller guards on the outside to maybe play that way. Um, but that's a that's a tough challenge in its own right. NC State shoots a lot of threes. They uh, create a lot of pressure with their, their havoc and um, get a lot of steals. They hit a lot of transition threes, which we saw at times in the game give Kansas a bit of issues. It's a tough team to play against. I'll be interested to see how they do against some of the upper comp other competition to see, you know, that's part of it. Like sometimes you could have a close win against a team. Maybe you think you should win by more against, but then they end up being really good. If they end up not being very good and you had a close win, maybe that's not great about your prospects, but it's also your first game back with Bill Self and whatnot. And when you look at the second game coming up for Kansas, which will happen on uh, Thursday, which I don't know, might have already happened by the time you might be listening to this. It's going to be very different because in that NC State game, it was high possession. Neither team was super efficient from the floor. Neither team had like 
really, really high turnover numbers, but neither team t- kept or took care of the ball extremely well, and neither team shot super well from two-point range or from the floor. Now, both teams shot really well at the free-throw line. They both hit a bunch of threes, which certainly is going to help, but I think the product of the score being 80-74, to high-scoring game, hit the over, was that you just had a lot of possessions. It was a high-pace, fa- high high-tempo game. That's not going to be the case for Kansas's second game. It's going to be a little bit slower of a game, so that'll be an adjustment for Kansas because they have struggled a lot in the half court so far this season and trying to find that third scoring option. Now, Dewan Harris has truly been that third scoring option the last couple of games, 14 points in back-to-back games, and he's shown that he can do it enough and be a guy who can finish inside. Kevin McCuller hit some big shots for you, had the double-double with the 11 rebounds. But you need someone who you can consistently trust to maybe create even a jump shot for you in the half court for this team to be successful. Otherwise, what you're left with is you're relying so much on Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick. The first half, Jalen didn't have a a great offensive first half, but Grady Dick stepped up. Then you had enough offensively, but you you were looking at 39 points. 18 were from Grady Dick. I think Jalen had eight or nine at halftime. You weren't getting a bunch from everybody else. And this also goes to the bench. KU needs more of a, a scoring punch and just everything from the bench, which all the way through, like Ernest Uday, Zuby Edgefer, Bobby Pettiford, um, all played off the bench for you in this game. Um, and those three guys, also Joe Yesavu, or those four guys, I think combined for just like two points and just a couple of rebounds. Like you're not getting much from your bench these past couple of games. That has to change for Kansas moving forward. MJ Rice, we didn't see him in this game. Maybe he's somebody who can give you more of that off the bench. And I think that could be his biggest role, providing a scoring punch off the bench for this team. He kind of working back off the back injury and off of kidney stones. So you would expect him to come back at some point and help you there. Maybe Zach Clemens can be a scoring ben, uh, punch for you off the bench. And the fact that neither of the centers have, have taken down a sizable role for this team or earned all that trust means that when Clemens does come back, he'll have a chance to, to maybe earn that above those guys. But uh, for Kansas, when those two of Jalen and Grady are doing everything for you offensively, when they're doing it at an elite level, which they both have the ability to do, it's enough to carry this team because they can be good enough defensively and they can be good enough in some of the other areas. The problem is when even one of those two guys is not playing up to that elite level on the offensive end, or if both aren't, where is KU going to go? So Grady Dick goes one of eight in the second half, and at times Kansas lulled a bit in the second half offensively. Grady Dick really had, or or Jalen Wilson really had to labor to get his 19 points in that game. Um, That's going to be the key for, for Kansas moving ahead and uh, the good news is you have Dewan Harris to get everybody in as good of spots as possible. The pass he had on the bounce pass, fitting it into a tight window on the cut baseline by Grady Dick for uh, that kind of wrap around underneath the hoop layup. That was uh, great stuff from Dewan, and he's going to really help you and raises your floor of what your offense can be because he'll get you in the right sets. Bill Self's going to give you a lot of good sets and plays and actions that are going to help you offensively as well especially when you have those two guys with Jalen and Grady Dick. But there is a lot of pressure on both those guys to perform each and every night because otherwise it can be a bit of a tussle for KU on the offensive side of the ball. They shot just 38% on two-point shots. The struggle is real for them to to have the, the center down low and get easy baskets for them. That's the problem. They can't really get those easy baskets right now. And it seems like in their attempts to get the centers involved and get those easy baskets, they're lob attempts for them because that's what they kind of excel at, but they're almost forcing it too much. And it seems like every lob attempt that KU was having ends up in a turnover and a run out the other way. So certainly some, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you get a win against a team that could end up being really good or could just be average. I don't know. Um, but there are also some other things to take away and it'll be a different challenge moving forward for the rest of the tournament for KU. Obviously their third game 
It could be either a, a sl- uh, you know, slow it down defensive team with Tennessee. It could be a speed it up offensive team like BYU. And uh, that would be also very different possibly from KU's second round game in the battle for Atlantis at 10 o'clock central time. All right. In just a moment, we are going to get on to our uh, KU Kansas state football preview uh, with that game occurring on saturday this will be our last episode of the week for locked on jayhawks so make sure to i guess uh ration it out but first this episode of locked on jayhawks is brought to you by bet online betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting information stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and east sports they bet online.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find those at bet online as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix head to the website today or use the mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts this takes on kansas state on the football field here and the jayhawks coming in at double digit underdogs into this game kansas state has owned the series uh you're looking at them winning every game since 2008 Kansas last one in Manhattan in 2007. Kansas does have the all-time lead, but if you go back like the last 50 years, Kansas State has the advantage there, and they always play up in this series. Kansas State always has a ton of guys on their roster from in-state. Kansas is working on that, and obviously they have some key players, does Kansas, on the roster from in-state. When you think of Devin Neal and you think of Jared Casey and Sam Burt and there are a good amount of those players for KU and they're working on it and they're they're working on by being a better team, having better inroads with some of these in-state high schools, which that's going to consistently get better under this new staff now. But uh, it, it's hard to really like to a kid from Texas or something like you can explain it to them, but you know, it's just hard to have that same edge when you don't have as many guys from, from in-state, which Kansas state has more, but they valued this, which is, you know, it's, it's not that, Like, it's one thing if you value a rivalry where you've been the worst team and you've been able to play up against the better team because you care so much about that rivalry. They have been the much better team and they have cared so much about the rivalry, which has led to a lot of these lopsided results where they've won by 40 or 50 points. There has been some close matchups in the series. I think back to the one in, I think it was 2018 or 2019 when, I think it was 2018, uh, Kansas was down 21-17. They're driving with like a minute or two left and Peyton Bender just, goes back to drop back and just drop the ball. And that kind of did Kansas in in that one and probably the best chance to win in the series since 2008. Um, so we'll see what this one provides. Last season, it was all Kansas State in year one under the Leipold era. And then the next three games, they kind of took off from there. Uh, they've also been on a roll lately as Kansas State. They've won three of their last four. They're only lost by a touchdown. They have a really high positive point differential over 80 points over the last four games, even with the loss in there. This is a really good football team from Kansas State. You look at some of the metrics, and they actually are better than maybe where they're ranked right now as a top 15 team in the college football playoff rankings. Um, Defensively, they're not just one of the best in the conference. They're one of the best in the entire country. They are uh, second in the Big 12 in points allowed per game. Really, every facet they do well. They're good against the run. They've been great against the pass. Like they're the best passing defense so far in uh, Big 12 play in terms of pass efficiency and the most interceptions forced. They've given up 15 passing touchdowns, two 15 interceptions. So uh, they have really dominated in terms of their their defense overall. And a big part of that is the pass rush, which has been really good for this team. On the offensive side of the ball, Kansas State is. You know, they're solid. They do a lot of things well, but they don't 
do really anything poorly. They don't turn it over. They're solid at passing the ball. When Will Howard's in there, they're even better at passing. When Adrian Martinez is in there, they're even better at running. They have one of the elite running backs in college football with Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Malik Knowles is a super talented receiver on the outside that can be really dynamic. The line has been solid, not great. Pro Football Focus ranks them 57th in pass blocking grade, 50th in run blocking grade. Uh, this is just a really good Kansas State football team. So let's get into the matchups here. First down, offensive play calling versus health for Kansas. How much will Kansas run the triple option and run the quarterback? They haven't really been able to do that lately. In past weeks with Jason Bean, he just that wasn't as good as it, at it as Jalen Daniels. Last week, we didn't see it at all, and that was probably because of the, the shoulder injury to Jalen Daniels. If Kansas can't do that against Kansas State, it makes them a lot, I don't know, more predictable or easier to defend might be the way of putting it. Like they can still be a good offense. The receivers have been good. Jalen can still throw the ball well. Devin Neal's still a good running back. But uh, the offensive line isn't a dominant unit for KU. They've been good this season and and much improved from any season we've seen over the past decade. But it's still not a unit that if you're just going to run power up the middle or zone to the outside, you're going to dominate each and every play. That's what the option game provided. It added a different element to this offense with a team that had personnel that was really good at it. And so if you're unable to do that, it becomes a lot more difficult to move the ball on a really good Kansas State defense. Um, and a big part of that equation is just how healthy is the quarterback. Can Jalen take hits? Uh, does he want to, or is it a coaching priority where they're trying to avoid him taking hits? Is it a him thing? Was it something where they just didn't want to use it against Texas to save it for the Kansas state game and make sure he's healthy for that game? Or are they just going to keep clean of it and then maybe save it for the bowl game or maybe just not use it again this year and save it for next season? I don't know the answer to that, but that'll probably be the biggest determining factor in how successful Kansas is offensively against, once again, a very good Kansas State defense. Second down, the Kansas run defense versus on and Kansas State. As I mentioned, with Adrian Martinez, he's a good runner. We could see Will Howard. He's a solid runner as well, different style, but Adrian's a better runner. Uh, but Deuce Vaughn is one of the best running backs in the country, and Kansas is tied with Oklahoma for the worst rush defense in the Big 12 by yards allowed per carry. They are only a yard better in rushing yards allowed per game than Oklahoma. They've been really bad on the ground. Deuce Vaughn is an absolute beast. He gets over five yards per carry. The line has been solid, as I mentioned. Not great, but they've been solid. Cooper Beebe is actually the highest graded guard in the Big 12, so they can run behind him or pull him uh, around to the outside and, and have him really make impact blocks. And a big part of this for KU has been a couple things. One, the uh, linebackers have really struggled for Kansas of late. Whether it's the mix of Rich Miller, Taiwan Barry Hill, Lorenzo McCaskill, Eric Gilliard, I less so with Craig Young. He's honestly been more used like a safety with uh, his ability to be on the outside and whatnot. But the main linebackers on the inside for Kansas have really struggled of late. Here's where those guys, here's, here's where Kansas linebackers rank on pro football focus in the Big 12 by overall grade. 22nd, 24th, 26th, and 27th. Kansas State has a pretty good linebacking core. Kansas State has five qualified linebackers that all rank higher than Kansas's highest graded linebacker. That is a problem. Now, that said, this isn't just the linebackers. We've seen times where, um, like, Texas really uh, approached the outside and blocked some of KU's undersized corners and was able to take advantage of that and get to the outside. We've seen the interior of the defensive line at times struggle to keep guys off the linebackers and take up blocks. 
Like Caleb Sampson's had a nice season, but right now Kansas has three of the bottom 12 qualified defensive tackles among 37 qualified in the Big 12 by Pro Football Focus. So it really is a, a team game here, uh, but you have to do a better job of stopping the run. Otherwise, K-State's going to run for 250, 300, even 400 yards in this game as a team, and it's going to be game over before it even began. Third down. KU corners versus short passes. This involves tackling, converting, um, you know, I don't know, on, on third and long situations where they throw a screen and instead of just giving up a big play, you make a tackle. This involves covering tight. We've seen Kansas give up a lot of cushions big, and that's part of the KU scheme thing as well. But, you know, when I look at this specifically, like Malik Knowles sticks out. He's the biggest threat for Kansas State. They'll throw the ball to, to Deuce Vaughn short on screens or end arounds or whatever that you have to worry about that too. But uh, Knowles is the third highest graded receiver in the Big 12, according to Pro Football Focus. He's a beast with yards after catch. So it's not just about the coverage. It's can you make tackles? Can you make the coverage close that if he does make a catch, you bring him down immediately? And can you come up on screens and make those plays to which, again, Kansas has been a really bad defense against screens this year. Knowles has eight catches behind the line of scrimmage this season. He has 19 cast catches on short passes, which are defined as zero to nine yards. So total it all up. That's 27 catches on nine yards or under. That's opposed to 17 catches that are 10 plus yards down the field. They get him involved underneath and manufactured touches. And, you know, with Deuce Vaughn, those two guys really cause havoc for defenses. So Kansas has to do a good job of defending then fourth down kansas on deep balls julius brents has been one of the better corners in the big 12 for kansas state but k-state does have a couple safeties that have gotten in trouble sometimes in coverage i mentioned kansas state overall has been a really good pass defense a big part of that is brents a big part of that is uh they've gotten into down and distances which are favorable and then another part of it and probably the main part of it is how good their pass rush is but if you can get time for it Kobe Savage and Drake Cheatham, who are uh, two of their main safeties, they both rank in the bottom seven of 31 qualified safeties in coverage grade on pro football focus. They've had some troubles there. We know Kansas will attempt a couple deep passes throughout the game. We saw a few of them to Quentin Skinner. We've seen it at times to Skinner or Lawrence Arnold or Trevor Wilson throughout the season. And by the way, on those Kansas receivers, did you know Kansas has three of the top 13 receivers in the Big 12 by Pro Football Focus. Number two is Luke Grimm. So if you can hit a few of those big ones on those safeties, you'd hope it helps open up the running game a little bit for you and could be a, a big swing play that you really need over the course of the game. But of course, this isn't just about the receivers and the safeties. Like I said, it's that Kansas State pass rush. Um, when you look at what they've been able to do in attacking the quarterback tied for first in the Big 12 in sacks, it's going to be a battle for the KU offensive line, both in the running game and really in the passing game to try to prevent those players from just wrecking the game. If we want a player matchup for this, Earl Boss, take a left tackle for Kansas. He's been one of the highest graded pass blockers in the Big 12 and KU's highest graded pass blocking offensive lineman. Felix Anudike Uzoma, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, the really good defensive end for Kansas State. He was a stud last year. He's been a stud again this year. They also have Huggins on the uh, defensive line. Those kids are absolute beasts on the line, but specifically that matchup with Bostic and Enudike Uzoma is going to really determine how successful Kansas can be in the passing game, keeping your quarterback clean with Jalen Daniels, allowing him to maybe hit some of those bigger passes, and then obviously trying to defend them in the run as well will be uh, of vital importance. All right, coming up in just a moment, we are going to get on to our bet online segment of the week. This is Locked on Jayhawks. Okay, our bet online segment of the week here 
Um, right now, Kansas is getting 11 and a half points against Kansas State. You can get them plus 340 money line and an over under of 62 and a half. I think that I would be leaning the under on that. Probably going to be a bit cooler on the Saturday night game. Both teams going to want to run the football really well. The problem is that Kansas has struggled so much defensively to stop the run. The K-State could just continually run the ball and still put up 40-plus points. Um, but if Kansas isn't going to use the the quarterback run game and the triple option, I kind of have a hard time seeing them scoring more than maybe 20, 21, even 24 points in this one. And I see K-State scoring between 34 and like 45 points. So I'm, I would lean under on that. I probably would take Kansas State minus the 11 and a half just because they've had so much success in this series. They care so much about this matchup. They're going to be playing super hard because if they win, they go to the Big 12 title game. And when you just look at like stylistically the matchups, oh, they have a really good defensive line that's going to make it hard for Kansas to pass. And uh, Kansas might not have their best asset offensively, which is uh, the triple option running game. And they run the ball really well, and Kansas can't defend the ball, uh, the rushing game really well. It is a very tough matchup for Kansas in this one. Uh, you can also bet on Kansas in the battle for Atlantis right now. I think if uh, they do make it to the championship game and they take on Tennessee, they might be an underdog in that one by like a point or a point and a half. But every other matchup, KU would would be favored in along the battle for Atlantis. I don't think you can bet on them to win. You would have had to do that pre-tournament, but you can get your bet in, bets in for that at Bet Online. And by the way, as I teased at the beginning, oh man, ultimate bad beats at the end of the NC State game. I guess depending what side you were on. So if you had Kansas minus eight and a half, they were up nine. They get the rebound with like 10 seconds left. Kevin McCuller just chucks it downfield and it gets intercepted, brought down, and then a three is hit. So if you had the minus eight and a half, that's a bad beat for you. But if you had NC State, you know, you're fading KU, then you feel good about that. Also, the over-under was 153 and a half. So if you had the under, you feel crappy about it. If you have the over, you feel great about it. It's how the uh, wide world of, of gambling works. You can get in on the thrills of that with uh, Bet Online. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. We're not going to have a show coming up on Friday with Thanksgiving and, and whatnot. So uh, ration yourself wisely and, and enjoy for this week. If you have anything you'd like for us to talk about next week, you can follow along with the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us and subscribe on YouTube. You can reach out via the comment section there or at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. Uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a good rest of your week. Be safe. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk next week in addition to next Monday's show with Locked on Jayhawks. Later. Happy Thanksgiving.